You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Throughout this season, I have wrapped up every episode by asking my guests to think about where does a piece of art belong? In the Louvre, in the lab, or in the loo? Asking them to think about, is it a museum piece? Is it a piece for us to study and learn from? Or is this a bathroom piece? Is this a waste? Is this something we should get rid of? Now, one little sort of surprising and ironic fact about that scale that I use is the Louvre Museum was said to have been born out of the king's bathroom. I feel like who art ed? Who art ed? Mr. Wood art ed me. Either way, it's ambiguous. It works on so many levels. I know. That's off to a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host, Kyle Wood. And for this week's Fun Fact Friday and the conclusion to this season, we're talking about the Louvre Museum. As I said in the introduction, one surprising fact is the Louvre Museum is said to have been born out of the king's bathroom. King Francois I of France was quite the patron of the arts, and before the Louvre was the world-famous museum, it actually started off as a fortress, and then it was a royal palace, a residential area, and Francois I was a patron of the arts. He actually was close with Leonardo da Vinci. He he is the one who acquired the Mona Lisa for France. And the Mona Lisa was said to have hung in Francois's bathroom. Now, Francois's bathroom was much more opulent and elaborate than the bathrooms we know today. It would have included a large sitting area, art galleries, gallery walls, and things like that. And it, it was said to have had quite the expansive collection. I do find it kind of funny, though, thinking about how, like, the Mona Lisa, which is almost the brand name for a great painting, it is an icon of the art world, it spent some time hanging in in the king's bathroom, and then, you know, in 1911, when it was stolen, it, it spent, like, a year or two just in someone's apartment. It's been passed around in all these different ways. Uh, The Mona Lisa was also sent away from the Louvre almost immediately when the Nazi forces were coming to occupy France. The Louvre actually was cleared out ahead of the Nazi occupation. They packed up and shipped away 
everything that they possibly could. Any paintings that could, everything that was valuable was sent first. Anything that could be moved was sent away next. And the statues and things that were too heavy, too big, too cumbersome to ship away were left behind and covered in sort of heavy fabric to protect them a little bit. In a truly empty gesture, the Nazi occupiers did actually order the museum opened up again, but it was opening a empty museum, and so it ended up being sort of a clearinghouse for them to ship off all sorts of art and things that were looted. Um, that is sort of one of the sadder and darker twists in the, the history of the museum. But of course, they did preserve all of those wonderful and priceless cultural artifacts that have been displayed throughout, throughout the ages. As I said, the museum started off as a fortress. In the 12th century, Philip II, uh, he was actually the first person officially known as a king of France. Um, he was one of the sort of medieval Europe's most successful rulers, and he built the Louvre as a fortress. It was set up as sort of a traditional medieval fortress. It had a moat and a massive fortified tower, um, also known as the keep at its center. And it was used for that purpose for quite some time. And then in sort of like the 14th century, um, with the city being like spread beyond the borders of, of like Philip's reign and everything like that, um, you know, new defenses were, were built sort of on the outer edges of the city. And so the fortress where the Louvre is became sort of less important for, for defensive purposes. But still today, you can actually see some of the remains of that medieval fortress in the masonry um, in sort of like one of the lower halls. Now, as I said, you can still see some of the remains of that fortress because it did not stay a fortress for, for very long. In the 14th century, it was basically sort of raised to make way for a royal residence. Um, Charles V was the first to sort of modify the building's original design. More extensive renovations got sort of derailed by the Hundred Years' War, and it kind of went vacant for a while until 1527 when Francis I actually ordered the building, the original structure, to be demolished in favor of a new sort of lavish Renaissance-style compound. And that is where Francois I, um, you know, the enlightened sort of Renaissance ruler, he was a patron of the arts, uh, not only the visual arts, supporting you know famous artists like Leonardo da Vinci, but he also helped to standardize the French language. He was an, uh, he was a poet. He loved to do all sorts of things, um, focusing on that cultural development, and he built his lavish residence where we now know the Louvre to be, and he amassed quite the collection of what would have been considered contemporary art for that time, the new modern styles of the Renaissance painters like Leonardo da Vinci that we know today to be timeless, priceless masterpieces, including the Mona Lisa, which he's said to have hung in his bathroom. Now, this was the last episode I'm recording for this season. I am planning to, of course, continue with a new season starting in the fall. 
In the meantime, I will be rebroadcasting either the Yayoi Kusama or the Georgia O'Keeffe episode on Monday after I find out who wins our annual Arts Madness tournament. And I might do a collection of mini episodes or something like that in the summer. But for right now, I'm taking a little bit of break after a nice long season. And as I said, look for new episodes coming in your podcast feed in the fall. And of course, you can find more on the website www.whoartedpodcast.com. This concludes this week's episode of Who Arted. If you found this tolerable, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You can find images of the work being discussed this week and every week in the show notes on Twitter at WoodArtEd and the website whoartedpodcast.com. Podcast done.